Tiger fans. Welcome to episode 52 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of every new episode. Apple users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. Co-hosting the show with me today is Charles Bishop. How's it going, Charles? Hey, how you doing, Corey? Great to be back for another episode, buddy. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And we are joined today by the Jackson State University head football coach, none other than John Hendricks. Welcome to the show, coach. Hey, thank you for having me. How you doing, Corey? And how you doing? How you guys doing, Charles? Doing well, Coach. Thank you for coming back in. Oh, no problem. No problem. Same here. Doing doing well. And uh, how about yourself? I know uh, some unprecedented times and some challenging times on your end, I could imagine. So how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing as well as can be expected uh, for this time, for what's happening in our country. And, uh, you know, this time of year, I'm usually looking forward to within about a week getting ready to have our guys come in and start practicing, but uh, we've had a monkey wrench thrown in our operation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get right to it. Uh, the SWAC's big announcement regarding football season. We'd all been waiting on some sort of clarity, and now you can finally move forward with a more specific game plan. And uh, even the fans, you know, we make travel arrangements and, and life arrangements around Jackson State football, believe it or not. So, uh, but now we can, we know that the season has been postponed until the spring due to COVID-19. So what are what were you expecting that decision to be and what was your initial reaction to it? Well, I had an expectation of this, uh, the season not being played on time. Uh, I thought that they probably, the way the virus is gone and the way the, the, the different tests and everything are gone and the way the virus is peaking right now, I thought that they might cancel it. Uh, we had talked earlier, uh, a few weeks earlier, with the commissioner in our head coaches meeting about moving the meeting, moving the, to the spring, and uh, so that was my expectation that we may be able to play it at some time, maybe later or in the spring, and it just happened to be the spring. So we were prepared for it, whichever way it went, and uh, so uh, you know, I'm pleased that hopefully we'll have an opportunity to play because we really need to play. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, Coach, and this is such a, a novel experience to kind of go through, uh, kind of who kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit are the student athletes. And I, I was curious uh, in terms of how did they react to the news? You know, what is the mood of the team? Uh, are there any motivation differences moving from the uncertainty to now what we have now is, is uh, the concrete assurance of moving to the spring? Well, I, I think uh, as long as there's hope, there's always motivation. You know, the motivation uh, is lost when hope disappears. And uh, so I think our kids, I think they're well-adjusted. I think they were kind of prepared. We had been uh, putting some things off. We were supposed to be in in late June, early July working out. We had to keep putting it off and pushing it back. So I think they had a sort of a preparation of something that might happen. Uh, I just met with them via Zoom last Wednesday night and gave them all the particulars. And uh, they seem to be okay. I mean, I've been talking to the guys since March. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've been meeting usually on Wednesdays, and uh, as as a as a team, 
And uh, so I, I think they were prepared and uh, just having the opportunity to think that we may have a season in spring, I think makes them hopeful. And as long as we're hopeful, we should remain motivated to get ready to go play. Sure thing. All right, Coach. And, you know, obviously these are uncharted waters, but how does this change what you'll do in the fall and winter in terms of working out and preparing to play in a college football game? Well, I mean, it affects you greatly. You know, you uh, it, it, during this time of year, you're used to practicing and you're working, your workout's a little bit different. Now it's going to be more of a winter-type program pushed to the fall. You know, usually we start in January with our workout program. Now we'll end up starting it in August and then working our way into uh, November. And then we'll go into Christmas break and we'll come back in January. And then we'll hopefully have that eight-week window to work out before we start playing games. Uh, yeah, no, no, Coach, uh, when we got the announcement in terms of it being more or less a conference-only season, one of the questions that I wanted to ask was, does this make film work a little bit easier in terms of uh, how you go about your preparation in that uh, knowing that you, you have familiarity with the conference? Oh, no doubt. You know, we, we would have been preparing, depending on who we would play in the first three games, uh, we'd be pre- preparing for out-of-conference uh, foes. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to be in conference. I don't know exactly when we're going to play the guys. We're going to play our guys on the East and then a, a couple of guys from the West, and then we'll play a championship game. So, you know, familiarity is, is a big thing. Uh, we're familiar with most everybody in the conference now. You know, all the coaches have been here basically for, for over a year. And, and so the same offenses and same defense, same special team schemes are going to be run. And it makes it takes a little bit more of a burden off because we have a better understanding of guys who were playing in the conference. Now, if we still have to play Texas Southern, that's a little bit different. We hadn't played them, I believe, since 2016. And they'll be about the only team that we're really not familiar with. Sure. And, and to kind of follow up on that, uh, new offense coordinator coming in this season, T.C. Taylor, uh, does this kind of give him a leg up, if you will, in terms of the installation of his offense? Well, it, well we have been, you know, I, you know, even over the pandemic, we've been installing like, every week. Uh, sure. This was our schedule during, during the time we've been away. Mm-hmm. Uh, our coordinators met with the team twice a week for installation purposes. Our position coaches met with their position type twice a week. We had a special teams meeting on Monday, usually a, a team meeting on Tuesday. Uh, a leadership team meeting also was in that. And so we have, we were in constant contact with the players. I mean, we had video. We were able to watch video together. We were able. We're, the only thing that we couldn't do together is have our walkthroughs and our actual practices. But everything outside of that, we were able to do during the time that we've been separated. Mm-hmm. Sure thing. All right, and coach, you know, we talked to you right after signing day. You had a, a great high school class. You said you were looking, you were expecting. Uh, some of those uh, signees to make an immediate impact. But could this move to spring football place even more expectations or responsibilities upon, um, upon those incoming freshmen now that they'll have more time to uh, prepare themselves mentally, physically, and playbook-wise for college football? Well, hopefully it will uh, enhance their ability to be able to meld in and to execute our offense, defense, and special teams higher than they would coming in on short notice. And uh, hopefully it will give them an opportunity to be ready to play. Now, really, you know, all those guys, I I think, have great ability. But we really basically did have a football team already coming back that where we where we had all our starters in place and 
you know, we're hoping that we would just have to use some of those young guys in reserve roles uh, on offense and defense and in special teams. You know, Coach, from what I understand, you guys and you and your staff, you've put together some really innovative measures uh, and safety protocols in terms of uh, social, uh, socially distancing practice and, and doing some creative things around the locker room. Can, can you kind of take us uh, behind the curtain, if you will, on some of the things that you've uh, done in terms of the safety protocols in terms of this fall? Well, well, first of all, uh, A.D. Robinson and his staff have done a great job of putting a uh, manual together. We have a, a manual for what we were going to do, uh, putting together all the PPE stuff that the players are going to protect this personal stuff that the players needed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, from masks to hand sanitizer to disinfectant to wipes, all the players. And all, matter of fact, all the athletes on campus were getting a, a care package with multiple masks and everything they need to keep themselves in the area sanitized. Uh, we've done a good job of bringing equipment in for instance, air purifiers and things of that nature that would kill the virus with the ultraviolet light and all that stuff. All those pieces of equipment are in place right now on campus. We have air sprayers so that we can clean the environment. Once the players are out on the practice field, we were prepared to clean the locker room environment. We've actually had planned to uh, you know, move our meals uh, to a place where we're just football only, where we could social distance our meals and have our meals brought in. Same, obviously, uh, campus dining, but they were going to deliver it to our area so that we could do that. Then we were going to use uh, the Payton Center, which is closed down at this time, as our locker room, move our locker room facility over into the courts and our training room facility over to the Payton Center to give us more room so we can social distance and then spread the players out so we can have more of them in the same area. And plus the filtration system over there was, is really good because it's a little bit more, it's a little newer and mm. it's... Uh, they use it. And then obviously we had all the equipment to clean it out. I mean, uh, plants from sanitizing the players' helmets to sanitizing the areas when they leave, cleaning out their every time we go out of the locker room, making sure we clean this, clean it out with, with disinfectant to make sure we wipe off their seats and the areas that they use, sanitizing the helmets when they come back every day before practice, before practice the next day. Uh, also, uh, Social distancing, our training facility, when we're, when we're getting taped, how we were going to do that, uh, take three guys at a time, have three guys in a hole in chairs, and then three guys waiting in a further area so that we could social distance them. And then earlier in camp, we had practice set. So we were going to practice kind of in shifts and two shifts, have a morning practice and an afternoon practice. Half of the team practices in the morning, other team, half of the team practices in the afternoon until we got to the point where we had to come together and practice as a group. So, I mean, down to, we've had it down to, this is the way you're going to exit the building. This is the way you're going to leave the building. You can only come in this way. You can only go out that way. I mean, we've had it uh, planned out so that, uh, so that we could follow all the protocols and all the uh, things that the the centers of disease control in our Mississippi state uh, health department and our our medical staff here to, to make sure that we do everything we possibly could to mitigate the spread of the virus. Sure thing. Thank you, Coach. All right. So, sounds like you have a great plan in place. Uh, b- before you kind of rolled out that plan, did you have any concerns from the players or even the parents uh, surrounding the safety? And if so, uh, how have they reacted to this plan that you have? 
Well, no doubt, you know, and I and, and really there's still concerns uh, for the yeah. parents, for their kids' well-being and safety coming into an environment. You know, we, we, we have a plan to test the kids all the time, uh, also, which I didn't mention earlier, uh, before, they even, before they even can check in the dorms, we're going to test. Uh, we're going to do the antigen test and we're going to do the uh, coronavirus test with the swab uh, to get them ready. And then we were going to quarantine them until it was till we got the test results back before we did physicals and all that sort of thing. So we had everything planned out. I believe the best that we possibly could to make sure that we wouldn't have a spread of this virus. And uh, but but again, the parents, you know, there's concerns. You know, we've got parents right now who are still concerned with their kids coming back on campus. And now that uh, we're not going to play in the fall, you know, we we couldn't help but give them a choice of if you want to distance learn, you can distance learn. There'll be no penalty. Mm. Uh, we won't be upset with you. Uh, we'll just get you back here in January as group and get ready to play a game. And, and, and I'm sure we'll have some of our guys and their parents or some of our parents who opt to do that with their children. And I'm and I can't be mad at them about that. Right. So right. it's just it, it is what it is. We're just in a difficult time. And uh, this virus really doesn't care who it affects. Right. You know, I, I was listening to reports recently that even though young people are getting over it, but those who it does affect have lasting effects, battle with it for weeks. Yeah. You know, young people, you know, it, it, even though it's just a cough and it's respiratory distress, but they battle with it for three, four weeks. I have a niece who's a young lady, 30 years old, who has been battling with it for 60 days. Wow. Wow. You know, and she had no pre-existing conditions, but she's been, you know, she still hadn't gotten over this thing. Wow. And so, and, you know, in all the reports, everybody's looking at the number of cases and the number of deaths. But what about those other outliers, the things, the people who were it affects your kidneys or your liver or your or your or your lungs or or your or your breathing capacity or, or you know, there's people who have been amputated and people had to learn to re walk again and people had learned to re-speak again because of this uh, virus. So it, it's not just the deaths, it's the other outlying areas that where this thing affects you that's really scary about it in my estimation. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, well, you again, you guys have done a great job of putting those safety measures in place. So from here, we can only pray that everything will, will go according to plan and that's what we believe will happen. Oh man, I'm just, I, I tell you what guys, I, I just, this is so new to me. I, I'm kind of in a quandary. Because for all these years, this is all I've been doing is coaching and getting ready, man. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm working on right now uh, what we're going to do as a staff, you know, besides because the strength coach is going to have the players. We're only going to have so many hours a week, eight hours a week that we can deal with. them. So, you know, we're going to have to do some things as a staff and our recruiting. I probably I'm going to uptick that greatly and how we do it. And then hopefully the high school teams, they've put it off here in Mississippi until the September so hopefully they'll play and hopefully the NCAA will give us leeway and give us some of those recruiting days back in the spring that we lost so that we can go out and do, better, do a good job of evaluating. And this will give us more time to see kids personally, which I really like, because during the season, it's really hard to get out and see kids like you really want to get out and see them and, and still make sure that you're there with the players when you need to be there on Fridays and whatnot. But I think this will give us an opportunity to be way ahead of the game in recruiting and also some of the administrative things that we have to do as football coaches. Coach, that's a perfect segue into the next few questions here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I actually have a two-part question uh, regarding that. 
I know December, I know you talked about the upcoming uh, high school recruiting, but December is also usually an important signing period for you in terms of bringing in mid-year transfers. Any word on whether or not that signing period will, will still take place at that time? Well, I'm believing, right? They have not said anything about it, but I'm believing I'm, it will still take place because I have, I have surely had plans on being able to sign a kid or two, even though the junior colleges aren't playing. Uh, we still have some kids that, that we are looking at that we would like to make sure that we get in that signing period. And uh, hopefully that they, they will not abolish that for this year. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we'll continue to have the opportunity to get the kids that we want to get through the recruiting process all the way up until that, I guess it was December 15th or I think it's December 18th or so where that signing period starts this year. Right. Hmm. All right. And now if that signing uh, period does take place, will those players be eligible to play in the spring or would they have to sit out and yes. the following season? They're oh, eligible wow. to play in the spring. Wow. Okay. Any kid that you sign in December is, is immediately eligible in January. I mean, obviously they have to have the requirements uh, according to, to the clearing. I mean, not to the clearing, but according to the NCAA and the court institution. But uh, yeah, they'd be eligible to play. Wow. I mean, I've, I've, yeah, I've, we're I've, talking immediately now, impact. Yeah, that's now. Yeah, I've got I've got a kid right now in this in this that that we're looking to sign in December. It's only one right now because we're not. There's a, several other kids that we have our eye on. But there's one I definitely really want to sign, and uh, hopefully uh, we will have an opportunity to do that. Awesome. Well, well, Coach, let's ex- extrapolate that out further. Let's take a look at kind of the high school recruiting and signing day, which is, you know, uh, in February. Right. Uh, how challenging will it be to, to focus on um, getting ready for conference games and, and still do what you need to do with regards to uh, recruiting and signing day in February? Well, the one thing about it is that the signing day is, is the first Wednesday in February. We probably won't be playing until the end of the February. So we'll have some time in January that will be just the players working out with the strength coach, but we'll have time to continue our recruiting and then we'll pick up early in February. Probably right around signing day, we'll probably start practicing. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we should be, you know, or maybe the week before that, but we should be able to get done everything we get done, especially if the high schools are playing this fall, we should have a good beat on what we want to do and who we want to go after uh, during that period. And the good thing about the February period, those kids go over into the following year. So okay. the following season rather, which, which is also another thing you got to think about, you know, if we play all the way into the end of April. We got to turn right back around and play again next off next September. Right. Is, is there concern uh, from you as a head coach in terms of, the potential number of games that will be played in uh, X number of months. Yeah, yeah, there is. I, I've already thought about that. And my thought is this, that once we get through this season, if we're playing in the spring, I'm going to give the kids a month off, uh, just away from ball, away from working out, let them recover. And then when they come back and we start working out the first part of June, that we will start out, we'll start slower. And give them time to, to get into it. And then we'll build up into later into June and into July uh, to get ready to practice in September. Now, and I will give them some time off. And I've rethought about it. I've even thought about how I'm going to practice the following August uh, to make sure that I, I mitigate or I, I make sure that we don't have uh, the kind of injuries that would come from overuse. So, you know, just easy, easing into practice a little bit more next Next August. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about all that stuff 
because you've got, you got to have a plan out ahead of time. And uh, so I've kind of planned out how we're going to practice and, you know, a little bit more uh, climatization or acclimation period next fall and step, you know, ease into the hitting part of it and not go as fast as we would with, with making sure we put on full gear, but making sure that we, because we would have just finished playing in April. So, you know, you're going to get some carry, some big time carryover and, and then your preparation and getting ready to play. So I would ease into how much we hit, uh, limit a little bit of that, and then make sure that we get our football team to the grass in uh, September. Sure thing. I, the big talk right now, Coach Hendrick, is taking a look at these uh, five-star recruits who are looking at HBCUs uh, uh, due to the current environment within the country. Uh, and you've already had a, a few uh, who made that decision to to go to HBCUs. And I, I was curious in terms of asking, you know, you've coached uh, at that Power Five level. Uh, and so I'm curious as to the uh, advantages, if you will, that uh, an FC pro, FCS program, HBCU, uh, like Jackson State, can offer to these, uh, you know, four-star, five-star type kids. Well, you know, the one thing I used to always talk about, me and a good friend of mine, always talk about ball is ball. Once you once you start and get between the white lines, the level of competition is is is, is the level of competition. So you're going to be able to play ball. Uh, the one thing I think that they get better here at, in this environment is a more nurturing environment all around. You know, at, at some of the uh, PWI inst- institutions, you're nothing but a number. You know, most of the professors, you know, they, they're, they're good at what they do. They teach well, but their their vested interest is only in getting you a grade in education and not particularly in your life. Well, the difference at HBCU is that the the professors by and large at these institutions, I believe have a more vested interest in the life and how the the, the kid turns out more so than just delivering a grade to them. That's a good point. So I think the environment is a little bit more nurturing and, uh, it gives them opportunity to, uh, you know, and we try to take make sure that we do a good job of getting them ready for what they're going to face out there in the world. Where because you know you get more mentorship, you've got more people who are who are willing to take time out to get you the rudiments and fundamentals of what you need so that you can subsist and be successful beyond the doors of this institution or our institutions. That's your thing. Appreciate that. No doubt. All right, Coach. Well, that's all that we have uh, for you for now, but uh, yeah, hopefully we can get you back on the show in the fall or winter to give us an update on how things are coming along. All you guys have to do is call. You know that. And I'll be, I'll, I'll make time for you. You bet. Always appreciative, Coach. Guys, I appreciate you, and I appreciate what you guys are doing and uh, you know, ha- having the opportunity to get our thoughts and ideas out over the air. I, I really appreciate that. Oh, no worries. No our worries. pleasure, and I, we appreciate you and Uh, Mr. Driscoll, for allowing your assistant coaches to come on as well. That's been a pleasure and an honor, and the fans have been giving us great feedback on that insight that they've been providing. Well, you know, if if you're a head coach and you're not developing your people to be coordinators who are assistants and your coordinators to be head coaches, then I'm missing the point of why I do what I do. And so having an opportunity to do those things are part of the preparation to sit in the seat that I have, the seats that I've sat in in my career. Absolutely. No doubt about it. All right. Well, thank you and take care. All right, guys. You have a good one. All right, you too. All right, Coach. All right.
And that'll do it for episode 52 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department, and it all starts with you. Downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook and Twitter pages. As always, thank you for your support. Go Tigers. Hashtag the I love.